I'm Megan Lawrence, and welcome to the Wild Leaders Podcast. Wild stands for Whole and Intentional Leader Development, and in this episode, you'll be listening to one of our Wild Conversations. Wild Conversations are interactive virtual experiences every Friday for one hour with leaders from around the country. It's no cost to join or attend, and you can sign up by visiting wildleaders.org backslash wildconversation. You can also listen on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please follow us and subscribe. Wild Conversations are led by our founder and CEO, Dr. Rob McKenna. Named one of the top 30 IO psychologists alive today, Dr. McKenna is passionate about developing leaders and transforming the way we see people in our organizations. As he will tell you, we have the tools at our fingertips to invest in our people in ways that are meaningful to them and will get the results we need. 30 years of research has taught us how much people learn and grow on the job. We have what it takes to create rich learning environments for the people we lead, and all we have to do is begin to act on what we know. Thanks for joining this wild conversation. So welcome to the wild conversation. Uh, No, this is not the mild conversation. We are not about mediocre and intentional leader development. This is whole and intentional leader development. So we're not interested in the same old conventional run of the mill, makes you feel good and leaves you hanging kinds of conversation. These are, we're really interested in a deeper conversation around this research base that's smarter, that actually is more true to our experience of of things like empathy. Um, And so this is, uh, I was thinking, wild conversations and wild questions is when you ask a person a question at a party and they say, that's a really good question. Um, and so we try to drive towards something that actually opens up some new possibilities, things we haven't thought about before. So here, here's a, just a, a question to get this started. I don't know if I'd ask someone this at a party or not, because they might think I'd, they'd probably run away pretty quickly, but I think it's an interesting question for some of us. Is more empathy a good thing? Is more empathy a good thing? Uh, That's just getting us started, just to get your brain warmed up. Um, I want to say this, to to wrap empathy into this this, uh, packaging, if you will, of whole person development, I would suggest to you that that empathy is not enough, first of all, and um, that both, both a connection to other people and conviction and clarity are both important. Um, I think we see this in our culture all the time. And we see people saying like, you do you and talking about your truth. You know, that's one side of it. But empathy is, is something that is different than that. This is me. This is about connecting to something and other people. And I think that both things are important. And I think when we talk about one or the other, we not only miss out um, on the reality that there's the other side, but also that these things are happening. They have a connective tissue that's important in them. So Um, So I think the whole conversation is around this reality that empathy is part of the important package of what it means to develop ourselves and develop leaders. This is something just along those lines is that's kind of interesting about it is think about it this way. We inspire people through feeling an emotion and we drive lasting change through intention and cognition. We inspire people through feeling an emotion and we drive and not but and we drive lasting change through intention yeah i'm going psychological cognition um so that gives you like the, both sides of this equation are really important but what we're going to do today because some of you know that i, I am also deeply interested and in, uh, invested in the concept of conviction and this uh, this development of a self and identity but we're going to focus our attention straight out empathy and get into some of these half truths so 
Um, I also tell you what we're not talking about. We're not talking about cheap empathy. And I think cheap empathy, my, 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 my version of that would be the statement, I'm really sorry you feel that way. <laughs> um, sounds pretty cheap. I'm really sorry you feel that way. Um, we're talking about what I might describe as restorative empathy, um, an empathy that opens up, an empathy that might say, I'm sorry I hurt you, an empathy that might say, I'm sorry you are hurting, um, an empathy that says, I'm open to feeling your pain, even though I might have caused some of it, um, an empathy that says, I will listen to you and keep working at it over time, even if we disagree. Um, that might be what more what restorative empathy is about. And, and this is why this is so important, is that there are actually, if you think about empathy and its connection to emotions, which I'm going to break down in a second, um, there is actually a thing in organizational science, in leadership uh, theory and science, called emotional labor. And uh, it's interesting because it, this is about the, the emotional labor that it takes for some of us to actually sustain ourselves, not, on, not to be like satisfied with our work, but to stay in it. And that there are all kinds of emotional factors that create a burden on people that makes it sometimes even impossible for some of our best people to stay. And so we, we have all kinds of ways that we actually have studied things about emotions and empathy is certainly a piece of this puzzle. And so there, there, are, there are big costs to us under, or you know, potential costs if we do not understand the sort of the integrated parts of what the whole story is around something like empathy and the, the impact of emotions and how emotions are impacted in the workplace. But so we're going to go straight now. I'm, I'm going, going digging deeper and go straight at empathy now as I narrow this funnel. Um, so this is what begs the question. So I've been throwing empathy around and using the word. What are we talking about? Let's go. So the primary truth of empathy, I would say, and this is what our research over the years um, we discovered is that, uh, is that there, are, there is a difference between empathy and uh, as we think about it in, in general and what we often describe as the perspective taking, taking the perspective of others or the behavior of listening. And, uh, and I think this is, a, this is an important thing for us to, to differentiate because uh, connection to others or understanding the experience of others or even under, understanding, identifying the emotions of others is different from feeling what they feel. And that's, I, this is important. Some of us are like, I don't really care about that, Rob, get to the point. And I'm like, people are throwing around, we need, we need leaders who have empathy. We need more compassion, which is another related emotional kind of word. We need more of this kind of connective emotional stuff. We want people who care. Yes, I would say yes, but that is different from listening. That is different from taking the perspective of others. This would be like I'm in my garage and I'm, I'm working on something and my son walks in the room and I say, uh, hey, Ryan, grab me a screwdriver. And he's, he looks at me and he knows enough to say which kind. And, uh, and so it's going to make a big difference to my getting my work done if he hands me a flathead screwdriver or a Phillips screwdriver. They're both screwdrivers, but they, have a, but they do something different functionally. And so that, that's my way of thinking about when we think about perspective taking and empathy, they're, they're, they're two different things. And we actually, in, in my book, I actually have two different chapters, one on perspective taking, one on empathy, because what we found is that they are correlated, but for some people, they actually battle one another. And so I'll talk more about that in just a second. But let's get into the science behind empathy. So according to Webster's Dictionary, 
Empathy is defined as this. I'm going to go Webster's, and then I'm going to go a little historical, and then I'm going to go a little science in this. It defines empathy as the feeling that you understand and experience another person's uh, experiences and emotions. The feeling that you understand those things. Now, what's interesting about empathy is actually, as, as I was, some of you may have looked into this even preparing for today. Those of you that were so motivated, you did a little homework before. The German uh, root, a lot of our, our, our word empathy comes from its German rooting um, in a, a word that is, is pronounced Einfühlung. And what it means is this. It means uh, in feeling or feeling into. And as far as I can tell, it first appeared in like uh, the late 1800s in, in language, um, this, this term empathy. Now, um, it's interesting, right? In feeling or feeling into in our case, into the, the emotions of others. Now, when the research, people start to dig into this, it gets a little bit messy, but there are some things I think that are generally agreed upon. So emotion, re, people who have done research in the space of, of emotions have really separated out two parts of what they describe as empathy. Um, and it's defined this way, it's generally defined as, as, as the ability to sense other people's emotions Listen to this, coupled with the ability to imagine what some, someone else might be thinking or feeling. Here's what's really fascinating, is that um, there are really two sides of what, what's been described in the science of empathy, of what empathy is about. And it's described oftentimes as cognitive empathy and affective empathy. Cognitive empathy, so... so the half-truth part of this, y'all, is like we just throw it out there, and there is more to know. There's a lot more to discover about this. Cognitive empathy and affective empathy. Um, and this is, and there's so much that I can unpack here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just get to the point so we can have a conversation around this. Um, and it's interesting. Affective empathy, uh, affective empathy like in our day-to-day -day experience, is like, I feel you. Right? I feel what you feel. Cognitive empathy would be maybe more like, I understand how you feel. Um, and I want to suggest that both things are important because in the research, it's why it's been difficult to kind of untangle these things and the impact they have on other kinds of variables. We know it's a powerful thing, but so I'm just going to say it again. Cognitive empathy is an understanding of those feelings, being able to understand them or see them or identify them. And affective empathy would be actually feeling what other people feel. Now, just to throw another bunch of other words, I'm not going to dig into these, but like apathy, the lack of emotions. Uh, antipathy, antagonistic emotions. Sympathy is when, when you share the feelings of another. So, and oftentimes it's like used in a way that says, I agree with you. So I am sympathetic to this cause. It's not only do I feel what they feel, people are part of this cause, but I also agree with it. So that's kind of interesting. We're not going to go there today, but just some interesting words. Now, here's what, what gets a little, I'm going to dig. So, so this is my main point, cognitive empathy and affective empathy, okay? And so as I described it, I think cognitive empathy is interesting. This, this relates to our, our research because we actually called that, we didn't call it empathy, we called it perspective, taking the perspective of another person. And I mentioned to you before that, uh, that what we found was we had to create two different strategies. So like the second half of my book, and by the way, this whole, my whole book and my research in the space of differentiation was how, do you, how does a person maintain a, a, a true, stay true to themselves while also staying connected to other people at the same time? The thoughts, needs, feelings, and values of other people while also being in touch with all those same things in yourself. That was this fundamental tension that leads 
who's faced under pressure. So we created an assessment out of that and all that. The second half of this book was we wanted to figure out if we could understand what are the strategies that allowed people to do those two things at once. Two of the strategies that emerged were what we called empathy, that ability to feel what other people feel. And then that also was taking the perspective of others, which researchers would call cognitive empathy, using my mind. And I want to suggest that both are important, but some of us have strengths in one area and some of us have strengths in the other where there might be some work to do on each side. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take this one a little bit deeper if you can. So you got that difference is explaining why that for some people in our research who felt so deeply the feelings of and emotions of others that it actually reduced their capacity to listen. So their affective connection actually reduced their ability to process cognitively. Um, and that's, and that's it's, it's, it's so interesting to see. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, where you feel so much, you like walk around your house, like you're one of those, sorry, one of, one of these like meat thermometers, but you're an empathy thermometer. And you're just like, boom, 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 boom. there's more of it, there's a lot of emotion. And it's like, it's just, it's overwhelming. It's like you have multiple voices in your head because there's like, you're feeling all these things from other people. And so you spend a lot of time managing to that. It creates a lot of labor for you emotionally. There are other people who will say, who are actually very good at listening. Um, they're, they're able to do that well, who if you really got deeper with them would say like, I don't really feel what people feel, but if you look at the behavior, they're pretty good at listening precisely because that affective empathy is lower. So that's kind of this. So let me, let me break this down. So it's interesting the, with regard to these two kinds of empathy, if a screwdriver is like its purpose, whether whatever kind of screwdriver it is, is to, is to solve your problem of these different screwing, these different screws in whether they're, whether it requires a Phillips or a flathead, the different kinds of empathy, the one thing that is in common for them is that they both are about creating connective tissue with other people. Um, that that's the key. Um, but we just, we have different strengths in this area. So let me take this one step deeper. Um, and I'm, I'm going to put my, uh, my high tech slide up on your screen here for just a moment. So you can see this. Um, and here we go. So check it out. Okay. For just a second. So you got cognitive empathy on one side and you got affective empathy on the other. And, and what's interesting about this is that when it comes to cognitive empathy, one of the fundamental challenges that people have is how much do I listen and how much do I speak? If you've ever, ever been in a conversation with other people, like that's kind of the fundamental tension, right? So how much do I listen? How much do I speak? Like that's the task. When it comes to affective em empathy, one of the things that people express is how much, do, how much am I making these emotions I'm feeling about me? So it's like the things you feel are things I feel that you feel about me, if that makes sense, versus how much am I actually in touch with what you are feeling about yourself, okay? Like these are these fundamental tensions on each side. Now, I'm gonna to try to get really for this conversation because I want you to just talk about cognitive affective empathy as they relate to you. Here's what I would suggest. It's from the literature that's out there that's really interesting. For some of us, especially those high on affective empathy, the goal is to calm it down. That's literally what it's called, to self-regulate. This is why we studied this and wrote a whole book about it. Like the goal is to calm it down because there's, you're overwhelmed by so much affect and emotion that it's hard to listen. So calming it down is actually the thing 
that you're trying to do. For those of us who are better at the listening side, maybe a little bit more cognitive, a little inside our own head, who think like in practical kinds of ways, you know, the, in that case, the goal is to light it up in terms of that connective tissue. That's the common part of the screwdriver, okay? And here's, here would be my other thing. For the people who need to light it up, one of the reminders that can help is it just might have to do something. It might be about you. Like you might actually be contributing something to the emotions of others. And for those that need to calm it down, it's to remind yourself it's not all about you. So what people may be feeling, all these emotions, you sometimes will take that personally and feel like it's about you so that you can actually open up to hear what they're saying. So the, as we get into this conversation, I think the first part is just to say, like, which one is kind of your developmental default right now? Which one would be helpful for you to work on, cognitive or affective empathy? And then to think about what would change in people's experiences if you could do that. Next is our spotlight from our live and interactive wild conversation. This is an interview with one of the leaders who was on the call for this topic, and we think you'll really enjoy their insights. Thanks for listening. Tell us just really quickly, what do you do? And, um, and then I'm going to ask you a question about empathy. <laughs> sure. So I'm the vice president of Butterfield Foundation in Oklahoma City. So um, I do a lot of things, help gr give, grant, give money away, which is really fun, do some HR, do a lot of community network, operational type stuff, just a lot of everything. I love it. Thank, thanks, Deidre. Great to have some, some context. Okay, so you put something in the chat that I, I, I read, but I want to ask you a little bit deeper. When, when you think of this, this conversation today, when, when, you, when you think through empathy, uh, and I saw you had a comment in there about emotional labor, um, what, what comes to mind, what came out of the conversation for you that is top of your mind this morning as you thought sure. through the conversation? Yeah, so I think my tendency is I'm affective. And so I'm a feeler. I'm a deep feeler. And so I think for me, I really appreciated that, that language around like just that heaviness sometimes that I feel with people. And so what I've had to learn is to try to separate what I'm feeling and or projecting others by asking the question. Oftentimes people come into my office, what do you need from me right now? Do you need support or do you need to be challenged? and helping asking them what they need for me so I can give them what they need. So, um, but I think too, just the realization that I do feel so deeply. And so the importance of that self-awareness and I appreciated in my group, they talked kind of about the idea of a shield or a bubble and not taking in all the emotions, but holding them away, letting them sleep. Um, instead of make, making them part of my heart all the time. Yeah, wow, that is, that, that's some great personal awareness, but also practical things you do both in uh, with, with uh, clarifying and framing up with people what, what, what do they need and, and, and some great thought, thoughts from your breakout. If um, <laughs> hearing that you're more of that natural feeler, but it sounds like you've worked, you've worked on it or continuing to work through strategies to help you be able to do that well um, and, and, and manage it, if you were to, in this moment, give a word of advice to yourself the next time you're in a moment where uh, you could use this well or you're struggling through it, that could be tomorrow or next week or a year, <laughs> what advice would you give your future self? I think it, it's just stop and consider where that emotion is coming from. What place is that coming from? And then evaluating whether I need to take that particular 
particular emotion or the particular task on, if that's mine to take, or is it just to listen, to process, and to let that go? And so I think just the ability in the moment to stop and not necessarily engage in that emotion. That's really good. Thanks for joining this wild conversation. If you'd like to learn more about wild leaders, visit us at wildleaders.org. If you want to purchase the wild toolkit, visit wildtoolkit.com. If you'd like to join the interactive live recording with other leaders, sign up at wildleaders.org backslash wild conversation. I'm Megan Lawrence. Have a great day.